This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. God is so good. Forever and ever and ever and ever. So, uh, we're going to get to the lesson, but I just, I, I was talking to Mike this morning and, uh, about life. We're coming into another year. You know, when you start closing out one, come to another, you think about, wow, another year is gone already. And I was thinking about, I was born in 1951 and Mike was born in 1959. But I was thinking, wow, I remember for a lot of years, 1951 didn't seem that far behind me, but now 1951 has been a long time ago for where we are. And, uh, Last night, my wife and I, my son Joe, were sitting watching Gunsmoke. How many of you ever watched Gunsmoke? Well, it's all, it's all, a, it's all replays now. But uh, when I first watched Gunsmoke back in the 50s and back in the early 60s, I had stayed at my grandma's house. She was the only Christian I knew in the whole world. But my mom's side of her family had lots of brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles and things. And my dad's side was the same way. But they were all pretty much bootleggers or in the syndicate. Somebody said, what's the syndicate? Well, that was pre-mafia days. I had lots of lots of bad people in my family that were bad people. There's only one person in my family I knew that was a Christian. It was Grandma Price. And I was thinking, I was watching Gunsmoke. I was thinking, wow, this is what I did back in the early 50s. Go over to Grandma's on Saturday night. We'd watch Gunsmoke. <laughs> and then we'd go to bed, get up and go to church. But I said that to say this for all you grandmas out here. And all you grandpas out here, stay saved. <laughs> stay saved. I told my son last night, I said, boy, big grandma sitting there, and every week it was the same thing. Anybody ever watch that and see a guy named Festus? Every week it'd be the same thing. We start watching Gunsmoke, as soon as Festus show up, grandma will say, I don't like that old Festus. <laughs> and we watch Gunsmoke and stuff like that. We'd go to bed, we'd get up and pray together and have breakfast, and she'd take me to Sunday school. But that seed... Her grandma Price of taking me to Sunday school. I can still see those Sunday school teachers' faces. And I can still see the pastor the day he baptized me. I gave my heart to Jesus at a youth camp over in Ohio when I was a freshman in high school. And I come back and I wanted to get baptized. I got baptized. But I think about us as Christians. We're coming into a brand new year. And above all else, Our number one goal should be to stay saved and be able to do what we do to help other people see Jesus in us. And, you know, as we was worshiping God a minute ago, I was thinking thinking about Grandma. I was thinking, wow, the whole family picked Grandma apart because they were all sinners. She was trying to live for God. And Grandma wasn't perfect. You know, I mean, I see no flaws in Grandma, but I was just sitting thinking about thinking, wow. If I'd looked at Grandma through natural eyes, I probably could have picked her apart like all of her kids did and all my all my aunts and uncles and <clears throat> people like that. But Grandma stayed faithful to Jesus all of her life. She told me she got saved. I think she was about 17 years old. She got born again, lived to be 95 years old. Grandma was a good Baptist lady. She didn't die sick. She died just because she got tired of living on earth. And she didn't die sick. She just died because she got old and didn't want to live anymore. She, she's just tired of this world. She went to heaven. But the thing, what I've said is this. Those seeds <clears throat> that Grandma got planted in me have reproduced. 
thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I don't know how many people that I've influenced to go to heaven. But if grandma hadn't been faithful, maybe I would have ever been what I was. But grandma was faithful. <clears throat> and, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about young people here today, people that you don't think you're going to live forever. You're, you know, teenagers and early 20s and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, eternity comes. And when it comes, you've got to be ready to meet Jesus. Anyway, I'm just saying before we get to the lesson that all you adults, especially grandmas and you grandpas, these young, these young grandkids you've got that are seeing you every day, every day, every day, there might be days that you feel bad, you don't feel saved, you don't feel like living right. You might think, man, I just want to just do something stupid for a day or two because I'm just getting bored with life. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, man, those kids are watching you. They're listening to you. And we as Christians, as we're getting ready, I'm going to show you how to close out 2018 at the start, two, I mean 2017, start 2018 fresh. <clears throat> Listen to what the Holy Spirit says today as we look at the Word of God. Let Him show you some things to do to put this year behind you. And, you know, I know that for me, 2017 was one of the best years I've ever had in my whole life so far. My family was really blessed, blessed. And the ministry, ministry-wise, for this church, this was the best year I've had out of 38 years of being a Christian. And most of those years of the ministry. It was an awesome year. Lots of people coming to the family of God through this church. Amen. Lots of families were restored. To me, that's, that's my joy when I see families come back together. That is a real joy. And my favorite service of the year happened two weeks ago. You know, this might be hard to believe out of all the good things that happened in the church. My favorite service is that Christmas service. All those little kids are here. They do their little Christmas plays. And then my favorite time, we don't do Santa Claus, but my favorite time is put my little red hat on with my wife, sit up here on the stage and give out gifts to these little kids. And to watch all these little kids. This year we had to think they said total, total children of the church day is 116, 118 kids up to this last, this, this Christmas day counting teenagers and all of them. But to watch those kids from the teenagers down those little bitty kids that just barely know what's going on, but they're watching, waiting their turn. And some of them jump up and get a false start because of what their turn, they'll go back. And then when their names hadn't been called yet, you see those little faces start to drop. And then you call their name, they, <laughs> they light up. That just blesses me so much to be able to see those kids blessed. But you know what? Jesus said, if we know how to be good fathers, good parents, how much more? Does our Heavenly Father love us? How much more does He want to give good gifts to us? And you know, the thing about it, all those kids that come for that Christmas day, if they weren't here, they couldn't get what we had for them. If you don't show up, God can't give you what He has for you. There's so much that God wants to do for you He hasn't got to do yet. And so I'm just telling you, listen today with your hearts. Take notes. Write things down. I've been teaching these things for a long, 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 long time, but a lot of you have never even heard of one time yet. And some of you have heard these kind of things we're going to talk about today. You're going to hear things that you didn't hear before. The main thing is, is you got to get this. Eternity is really forever. And contrary to what different religions teach, once a person takes their last breath, there's no second chance on the other side. You're either ready to meet Jesus or you're not. And so let's just make the commitment right off the bat 
that in 2018, we're going to stay saved. We're not going to have seasons of stupid. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Okay. Does anybody need a sermon outline? Hold up your hand if you need a sermon outline. Okay, they're coming to you now. And I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. Uh, this is called Faith Food for Winter. We have we have these little books in the bookstore. I don't even know what they cost. Were they, did I say five ninety five or something? Okay, six dollars for these little devotionals, one for each season. But these are the same devotionals that our big brother Hagen devotional. I only had one of those, so I didn't show it. <clears throat> but I really suggest, hey guys, missed one up here. Got one over here, Jess. But anyway, I really suggest you get a devotional, especially a good word devotional. Word of faith teaches the word. And every day, every day, start your day off and read these little bite-sized nuggets, I call them, of teachers of the word of God. They'll really help you to start your day off right, especially if you don't have a lot of time in the morning because you have to get to work and things like that. I mean, it just really helps you. And if you're a breakfast person, you got to have something to eat before you go to work because your physical body's not going to feel good. Think about your spirit. Why starve your spirit? Give your spirit something to feed on. So these are really good. And then I noticed we had a bunch of these Christ the Healers back there. And uh, when I went to Bible school back in 1983, 1984, this is one of our main textbooks at Raymond Bible Training Center where Pastor David Katie went and different ones, uh, you know, a lot of people we know went there. This is still their textbook today. This book was written back in 1924. And back in the early 1980s, I taught a healing class at a big church in Indianapolis. And this was the book we used back then. And this book is still a very, very, very hot seller, uh, popular book in churches like ours, bookstores, at Bible colleges like ours around the world. And I was looking at some of these chapters in here a while ago. It's got things here about why this, why that, about healing, trying to understand healing things. At the end of it, it's got a chapter, it's got 31 questions that people ask about divine healing, trying to figure out what's going on. And so I learned early in my Christian walk that if God teaches something in the Bible, that's the will of God. That's not come to pass in my life. Well, because he tells me he never changes. He's God. And he tells me I need to change. I need to make adjustments. I need to make corrections. And so if I'm having a, a hard time receiving any area of God, from God that he says belongs to me, like divine healing, I want to find out from his textbook, the Bible's his textbook, books like this help you understand the textbook. I want to find out, Lord, I know that you said it's your will for me to be healed. I know Jesus said it's his will for me to be healed. I know that Jesus already paid the price for me to be healed. So, Lord, I'm having a hard time receiving it. And that you're not going to change, I know I have to show me from the Bible what I need to do so I can get what you have for me. So anyway, I highly recommend this book here. It's really, really, really awesome. It surprised me the cost of it, the way modern books are. It's only $11. <laughs> Amen. Really good. So anyway, start start your year off by getting a good study plan and things like that. So our, our title today is God's Way to Close Out 2017 and Start Fresh in 2018. And you know, I know business people, they have to keep their books and things like that. And you have to close out, you know, monthly, quarterly, yearly, and things like that. Well, in a spiritual life, it's the same thing. God keeps books, so we might as well know what's going on. What do you mean God keeps books? Well, 
when a person dies, whether they're born again or not, they're going to find out God's got a big book called the book of life. That talks, Old Testament talks about the book of life. Daniel talks, prophet Daniel really talked about the book of life. And the book of Revelations, it tells about what every person gets to, when they die and get to go before God. If he opens the book of life and your name's not in it, you don't go to heaven. And says he's got another book he keeps. It's the records of what people did while they were on the earth and the times they rejected Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And he's got records there because God's a just God and he, and, and he judges people. Nobody stand before God and say, well, I didn't know what to do. God says, I got a book I'm going to show you right here. Here's this chapter you saw, this chapter you saw, this chapter you heard. And then do you remember when those people invited you to that church in the high desert of Southern California? That preacher told you you had to receive Jesus to go to heaven. Well, here's what he preached that day. And here's what you heard. And in your heart, you said, I'm not ready. And God said, I was getting you ready, but you refused me. And so anyway, God keeps books. And so we have to know that as believers, let's close out 2017, this chapter in our life, and let's start a new chapter. Amen? And make it a good chapter. And so anyway, I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. And just to stop and think, me and Grandma Price watching Gunsmoke on Saturday night got us to where we are today. <laughs> you know, God God uses people to influence people. And so Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, <clears throat> God said, and I will give you pastors. Where do pastors come from? Well, what's the Bible say? Hey Amen. God said, I'll give you pastors according to mine heart. And what God says by that, this is something that, you know, your head may not understand this. But God, he says, puts his heart of love and passion for hurting people into a man or woman of God to be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother of them. God does that. And, you know, I can't explain with my head, but when God gifted and called me to be a pastor, something changed in me. And you know what I tell people all the time, because I really believe it, that if there's not hurting people, I don't have a job anymore. Amen. How many know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? He loved the world, so He gave His Son to help the people in the world. Well then, God gave pastors His heart to help the hurting people that He assigns them to. And, you know, I have people tell me all the time, Pastor, can I come in and see you? Can I talk to you? I say, yeah. And then they want to come back and talk to you. I say, yeah. They want to come back and say, yeah. They say, Pastor, I don't want to bother you again. I say, you're my job security. <laughs> you know, if you don't have problems, I don't have a job. God gave me his heart to help troubled people. But the whole thing is, the troubled people have eventually got to get a hold of it and get help. But if pastors give up on people, then people don't get the help God wanted them to have. And so anyway, God said right here, I give you pastors. I'll put my heart into them. They shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. And so in other words, 
As pastors, God gives us a way to say things, explain the Bible to you, that you can't learn on your own. You know, it's one thing to have somebody who can quote half the Bible. It's another thing to have somebody that lives part of the Bible. And so pastors show you how to live. It amazes me, you know, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how Jesus says taught them many things in parables. And so what a parable is, now listen to this, you might want to write this down. A parable is a natural illustration to get across to spiritual truth. A natural illustration. So in other words, I know that for me, a lot of times when I'm preaching, God will give me truck driving stories. Why is that? Well, back when Jesus was teaching, he was with fishermen. He's with farmers. And so he gave a lot of stories about planting things and growing things, about catching fish and doing things on fishing ships. But I drove trucks for years. I was raised in a truck driving family, so a lot of stories I give sometimes, I'll talk about driving trucks, but then I'll explain something spiritual out of that to help you get there. Well, I can see that. I can see that. You know, if you're driving a truck and you make a wrong turn in life, go the wrong direction, you're never going to get to where you want to go. I said, well, I can understand that. Well, spiritually, if you get off the path and start going back the other direction, you're never going to get to heaven. See, that's a parable right there. I told you something natural you can understand. So you can understand something in the spiritual you need to understand. And so it amazes me how God puts his heart and his gifts at a pastor to be able to tell things. And then sometimes... People tell me things I said by preaching on a Sunday morning like this. They said, that was for you. You ought, you ought to hear that. My wife told me that the other day. I said, I didn't say that. She said, you did. Go back and listen to that. I thought, wow, that is really good because God uses us to help people. That's a supernatural thing. So he says, to feed them with knowledge and understanding. You're filling the blanks. The Lord gave me this the other day to give you. When you need medical advice, you go to your doctor. If you need medical advice, you go to the doctor. You don't, don't cut me for medical advice. I mean, man, I'll, I'll get you healed through, through prayer, through faith. But the best I can tell you is go take aspirins. I hope you're not allergic to them. Go take a couple aspirins or something. You know, but a doctor can diagnose what's really going on because he's trained at that. So if you need medical advice, you see your doctor. If you need financial advice, go to your banker. Whoever helps you invest money. And manage money things. You know, best thing I can tell you is be a person that gives God his 10% tithe. Give offerings. Live right. And God's going to bless you and take care of you. But if you need financial advice about investments and about about buying things and things like that, go see the banker. If you need legal advice, you need to go to your lawyer. Amen. You know, I just, I'd, I'd never go to see a 1-800-SUE lawyer. Yeah, what's a 1-800-SUE lawyer? Well, I know back when I first started preaching, every phone book there was, every time you got a new, I don't get phone books anymore, I don't have a phone. But every phone books that we used to get, how many know that the whole back page, that big middle spread out, was picture of a lawyer saying, we will help you sue everybody you know. And if you can't find anybody to sue, call us and we'll show you somebody you can't sue. And then when you sue them, you could get them kicked out of their house, you get them kicked out of their pensions, you can steal their cars and everything else, and you'll get 20%, we'll get 80%, and we'll be real happy. 
And you'll spend your 20% of the year and be broke again. And then somebody will sue you. If they told you the truth about it. Because Jesus said you reap what you sow. And so if you need a lawyer, I hope it's for something like a business deal. Or buying real estate. Or something else. Oh, here I go to pastor and I wanted to pastor. But you hit a bunny trail, you got to help sometimes. Let me tell you, if you're a person that your biggest goal in life is to find people to sue, you're going to crash. Amen. Now, I'm not saying there's not bona fide types sometimes when you have to do something. But if your goal, because somebody nicked your car in the parking lot, is to get a brace and put on your neck and take them to court to steal their kids' education money and everything else through lawsuits, guess what? You reap what you sow. It's going to come back on you. Amen. Somebody said, well, I did not want to hear that. Well, the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear that. You wouldn't have heard it. Amen. And so then, uh, if you need spiritual success in life advice, you go to your pastor. Why is that? Because God said, I put my heart in pastors to feed you with knowledge and understanding. So you need to go to your pastor if you need to have some advice to show you how to win, how to succeed in life. Now, this verse is not in your notes, but I'm going to look at this. You turn to if you want to. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. You know, the Holy Spirit inspired these men. To write words that God put on their heart. And when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. Jesus does, but he's the Holy Spirit. How many here have Jesus in their heart? Okay, you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart. The same Holy Spirit that put in men's hearts these words to write in your Bible is still the same Holy Spirit that's here today. He's in your heart. And so whatever the Bible's been taught by a man that has the Holy Spirit, then the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Holy Spirit will bear witness of your spirit. You'll know on the inside, this is God talking to me. And so listen to these words right here. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. By the way, uh, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaking to pastors at a pastor's conference. And so as... As the advice he had for pastors back then, I received today because the Holy Spirit doesn't change. God doesn't change. People don't change. There might be new ways to sin and new ways to do other things in life right now, but God doesn't change and the answer is always the same. It's the Word of God, what the Holy Spirit has to say. So anyway, I take my calling very seriously. and I want you to look at this here. Paul said to these pastors, Take heed, therefore... Uh, to yourselves. What that means is that a pastor, first of all, should have his own uh, devotional life, should have his own study time, should have his own prayer life, because Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. So a pastor, first of all, ought to know how to live, ought to have an active relationship with Jesus before he can tell somebody else how to live and help them. So he said, first of all, take heed to yourselves and then to all the flock over which, say this to me, say the Holy Ghost. Okay, Paul the Holy Ghost has put you over the flock and has made you overseers. Overseers. That means somebody 
as, as he said, Paul said in Hebrews chapter 13, that pastors watch for your souls. Because we'll give an account to God about your souls, about your life. And so he says the Holy Ghost made us overseers. And every time I read that verse, I almost quake in my spiritual boots because it's so scary to think that the Holy Ghost is the one that gave me this job. That's why as a pastor, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, you have harlings and you have shepherds. A harling is a professional preacher. I'm not a professional preacher. I'm a pastor. The world calls it a profession. God calls it a calling. And so I'm called by God. He tells us this verse right here to oversee and to take care of his people. I'm not in this for the pension. I'm not in this for the career. I don't try to climb the ladder to get a bigger church, a bigger church, a bigger church. I'm not like a city manager to sell me churches I get a pension out of. I'm in here because the benefits are out of this world. I'm in here because God called me to do what I do. So therefore, that gets rid of the fear of man for some church tell me we're going to fire you because you preach too much about healing. We're going to fire you because you're talking to people about tithing too much. You just want to take their money. We're going to fire you because you're talking about what marriage is supposed to be according to the Bible. You can't talk those things. That's not popular today. That's all I can ever tell anybody is this. You can't fire me because you didn't harm me. Amen. Amen. But there's, but there's, Jesus said in John chapter 10, Harleys. A Harleys in this because it's a career. It's not a career for me. It's my life. When I quit preaching, when I go to heaven. When you go to heaven, at least 85 years old. I believe for at least 85 good strong years doing what I'm doing. And so in other words, he said right here that the Holy Ghost is the one that says preachers in the churches where he wants them to be. Amen. Now I want you to see this then. It says he made you overseers to feed the church of God. Which he has purchased with his own blood. I want to say it again. I have a reverence out of fear of God knowing that every one of your faces I'm looking at this morning. That Jesus told me through the word of God, that his blood bought your life. His blood saved your soul. His blood has protected you. And he told me, my job is to feed you. And that feed right there, in the Greek, <clears throat> means to shepherd you. Means to shepherd the flock. And shepherd means to tend to feed, and to guide. I've got to give you spiritual guidance in life and how to live right. You know, I think about the GPS, the global positioning system. Well, we're under GPS. It's God's positioning system. And I, as an overseer, is hooked up with God for this particular group of believers that God sends here. And so I can show you today how to start 2017 off on the right foot with God. How to be headed in the right direction with God so you'll have maximum influence on your families, on your friends. And you'll grow as a Christian to know God better. 
to get more prayers answered. And so he says that I'm to shepherd the flock of God to tend, feed, and guide. And so to have a prosperous and successful new year, we're going to look at how to close out 2017 and start 2018 right. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And this is one of those verses needs to be one of your stable verses. One of your verses that you live off of. I think probably, you know, sometimes I, I just kind of take a little poll just to look. So this is not, this is not a setup, not a embarrassing question. But how many people in here know Matthew 6.33? Quite a few of you. You need to learn Matthew 6.33. It's one of your staple verses. One of the things you need to know that guides you through life. But Matthew chapter 6 Verse 33, and by the way, leading up to this, Jesus tells people how to get their natural needs met, like food, clothing, and we can save for the time to live in education, transportation, gas money, rent money, house money. In other words, the natural things we need to live in the United States of America today, Jesus tells us right here how to get them. He says, but seek ye first, and I circled first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that righteousness means living right, according to how God says to live right. Live right. And all these things, the natural things you need, health insurance, car insurance, education money, whatever you need in life that's things, says Jesus says, shall be added unto you. Says, in other words, real simple, put God first and you won't go broke. Put God first, you'll have a good car that's paid for. Put God first, you'll have adequate housing that's paid for. Put God first, and you won't have to wear shoes with holes in them. Put God first, and any education you need or your kids need will be paid for with no strings attached. That's what Jesus said. And so, as a pastor to feed you of knowledge and understanding, my number one thing I've always got to tell you is that you got to put God first and live right. And so you notice this statement put down here. The Holy Ghost gave me this years ago, and I say it always, all the time. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Want me to tell you the best thing you can do for your enemies if you have any? If you have any enemies, the best thing you can do for your enemies is invite them to church. Somebody thinks, man, those rats, I see them all week long. Last thing I want to do is see them in church. You bring your enemies to church, let them hear things like this. Get them born again. Get the love of Jesus in their heart. They won't be your enemies anymore because they'll love you. When a, when a person truly meets Jesus, I'm not talking about sometimes we get some of these things that I've, I've known a lot of people been in prison called jailhouse religion. Because when they're in prison, they try, they cry out, they, here they, they can try to con God. Oh, just get me out of here. Oh God, get me out of here and I'll, I'll live for you. Well, that's jailhouse religion. Every time they go back, they start praying again. But we as believers, we all know from personal experience that are believers, when you truly meet Jesus, you don't hate people anymore. 
You know, you may not love everybody with your head, but with your heart, you love them. With your heart, you want to help them. With your heart, you feel sorry for them. And when they do you wrong, with your head, you may have some moments of stupid where you do things you shouldn't do as a Christian, but you get over it because you recognize, whoa, I shouldn't have done that. I lost my temper. I said things I shouldn't have said, etc., etc. And so the best thing you can do as a Christian is to invite your enemies to go to church. When the church has special dinners, special functions, where there's things going on, you know who the first person is you need to fight? The one that's giving you the hardest time in life. That's called seeking the kingdom of God first because you're not thinking about your comfort zone. You're thinking about their eternal salvation. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. We weren't always the loving, patient, peaceful kind of people that we are now. Amen. Some of us used to be rascals. And some of us are still rascals in progress trying to change. But anyway, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. When people change on the inside, their outward actions change. Mine did, yours did. And so that's what you need to do. So anyway, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions, resolutions later. But first of all, we got to take care of 2017's failures, first of all. And so remember, the spiritual world is eternal. It was here before the earth was. God's eternal. God lived in heaven before there was an earth. How many believe that? Heaven was here before earth. God spoke from heaven and created earth and everything on the earth, including the four seasons. You know, sometimes if you want to start all over again and read the Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1. And it talks about God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And God spoke. So let there be water. And God created the oceans. God spoke. Said, let there be fishes in the oceans. And fish got in the oceans. God spoke. It said, let there be trees. Let there be plants. God spoke. It said, let there be birds to fly. God created everything you could see. And so God and the spiritual world was here first. Because the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. What happens in the spirit determines what you see in this earth. And so anyway, God created the four seasons. Now I want you to look at Genesis chapter 8. Verse 22. God gave pastors to feed you with knowledge and understanding how spiritual things work. And you're going to see something today that maybe you've never seen to understand why things are different with you on December 31st to January the 1st. And so this is right after the flood. And God destroyed all mankind except for Noah and his family. And then he's starting things all over again. And then God said this to Noah. He said, while the earth remains, is the earth still here? Okay, so that must mean this is for now. God says, as long as there's still an earth, we're going to have seed time and harvest. And cold and heat. And summer and winter. And day and night shall not cease. So he's talking about natural things, but spiritual determines the natural. The spiritual determines the natural. And so God says we're always going to have the four seasons. God made it that way. But all God's doing 
is speaking things into this earth that already goes on in the spirit. Because he's a spirit. And so there's spiritual things, there's natural things, but the spirit always determines the natural. So springtime is for tilling the ground and planting. How many here saw our sons from Indiana last week? Jason and Ben, they were here visiting for Christmas. They're both farmers back in Indiana. They farm. And so, you know, we're well aware of that. That's where we were for a lot of years. And so springtime's for tilling the ground and planting. In summertime, the seed in the ground grows and produces the crop. And, you know, you can see that even out here in the desert. You know, the, when we get through winter, we get those spring rains a lot of times. All of a sudden, those flowers are everywhere because the seasons change. And out here, by the time it gets hot in the summer, nothing grows. Amen. It's just a whole different world because of the heat. It's a different season. So, but anyway, where they have four seasons that are really a different kind of thing than what we have out here, in summertime, the seeds in the ground that was planted in the winter time, in the springtime, because the springtime they have spring rains and they work the ground, they plant the seeds so it grows and produces a crop. Then the fall time, it's harvest time. The crops grow all summer and it's ripe and ready to harvest. So then they bring the big combines out and they harvest the crop. And then winter time, the ground rests again and recovers from spring planting. And, and you know, a type of that is what the Sabbath day rest is. You no, know, I just say something for what it's worth. You workaholics can either reject it or receive it. But God wants you to have a Sabbath day rest. Your body has to recover. Your mind has to recover. you got to have a spiritual rest. And in the Old Testament, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day was Saturdays. But now the Sabbath day is whatever day fits in with your schedule. Because it says there's no holy days like the Old Testament have for the New Testament church. It says every day is a Sabbath day rest. We're supposed to be able to rest and refresh. And so, you know, with all the different work schedules there are now, your Sabbath day might be a Wednesday if you're on a weird shift, but you've got to take that day and do some rest and recovery. So the main thing is, is you cannot burn the midnight oil seven days a week, month after month, year after year, and think you're going to live a long life because your body's going to wear down. And so just like the ground have to rest, you know, back during the Depression days and the uh, big drought we had all across America, what they call that, the Dust Bowl, when those days happened, finally got to where the government intervened to rotate crops and they come up with crop rotation because they found out the ground had to replenish itself. Why did it? Because God made it that way. God made the seasons that way so the ground could replenish and recover and get minerals and things come back up and get in the soil again so the ground would produce again. Well, that's where you are in life too as Christians. you got to have a time of rest. That doesn't mean that sometimes you are forced where you have to work and work and work and work you go through those seasons, but you've got to be able to develop a season of your life where you rest and you recover sometimes. Now, that doesn't mean you get lazy and don't do anything. But God made it that way. We have to understand spiritual things. And even when you read the book of Genesis chapter 1, God made everything. And this says on the seventh day, God rested. It says he ceased from his labor. Amen. And so anyway... The farmers in the wintertime, that's where they, I don't want to say piddle around, but that's where they work on their equipment. I know that Jason and Ben, they spend the winter times fixing combines, tractors, rebuilding stuff, taking care of stuff, getting those things all tuned up, all tweaked up, ready to go back out in the springtime. And so God's the one 
that made those seasons in the natural. But I want you to go down to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And remember, I was talking about parables. You can almost see right there how God's doing things. He shows you the natural things. He says, as long as the earth's here, we're going to have seed time and harvest. What you sow is what you reap. And I know that uh, back in Indiana, where the boys' farms are, it depends on what's selling real good in this particular time in our government. Right now, cattle's not real good. Those guys have it. Well, Ben's got cows on his farm right there just for the kids. They raise a few cows. But Jason used to raise a lot of cattle. But with things happening in our nation, it's not too good for cattle farmers right now, so they don't do those anymore. And it's the same, th- same way with corn, alfalfa, and different things they raised back in Indiana. What they plant is what they reap. If they're seeing bad corn years coming because of things going on, they don't plant corn, they plant soybeans. If soybeans are not going to be good this year, then they plant more corn. They plant wheat. A lot of things they plant, but the thing is, Jason's never yet planted corn and watched soybeans come up. You know, my little blessed gardens I plant out here in California, which I don't plant anymore unless she makes me. I don't do good out here in California. But anyway, I've never, ever, 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 ever planted banana peppers and got, and got tomatoes. When I plant tomatoes, tomato plants come up. If I plant radishes, radishes come up. Whatever I plant, that's what comes up. Because God said there will always be seed time and harvest, and every seed produces after its kind. And, you know, the lesson of that as Christians is this. You can't keep on planting, sinning, carousing, doping, drinking, sleeping around, being mean to people. And reap blessing from God. If you want blessing from God, you got to plant blessings on other people's lives. That, that, that's a natural thing to show you a spiritual thing. He said it's always going to be seed time at harvest. But anyway, talk about these different seasons in the natural and seasons of the spiritual. I want you to see, see this. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And this is Peter's second sermon he preached after the church age started. He said this in verse 19. He said, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now look at this, talking about seasons. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He said there's times of refreshings that come. There's seasons of refreshings that come from the presence of the Lord. He said there's times... That's going to be easy to repent and bury things. He said, when the presence of the Lord's here, so that's the time you better get your life right. Better be doing some repenting. Better be doing some converting in the ways you live. Better be making some changes. And so there are spiritual seasons in our life. There are spiritual seasons in our life. And get this. It's a spiritual grace of God on every human being at the beginning of every new year that gives them an expectation and excitement to start fresh. You know, sinners and Christians both experience the same thing at the end of the year, starting the new year. All of a sudden, something happens. And just for a brief 
season of time, it feels like the weights have lifted. They still got the same things behind them they had, but all of a sudden, there comes a brief period of time where they finally, they take a breath and go, man, I can change it. I can change it. That's the grace of God for a spiritual season that God gives believers. He gives them to everybody. That's the time when all of a sudden, and the grace of God, oh, I've got a dozen definitions I give you, but one of them I think it just be real simple is this. God doing something for you that you can't do by yourself. That's grace. I like what I heard a preacher say one time. He said, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you don't need to get there on its own. Somebody put it there. Amen. Think about that. And my fence post, I think about the farm fence post back there, you know, like telephone pole posts, these big old round things sticking out. They put the barbed wire on to keep the cows in and stuff like that. If I was ever walking and I saw a turtle on that fence post, I say, he didn't get here by himself. Somebody helped him. I want to tell you something. Bernie Samples didn't get the ministry by himself. Somebody helped me that you can't see. Somebody put me in California that you can't see. I did not get her on my own. I couldn't have done it. God's the one that got me here to lead people to come to listen to what I've got to tell them about God. He did it. And, you know, I think about some of your testimonies on jobs you've got. That was the grace of God that got you that job. John knows that, don't you, John? Grace of God put John where he's at. That was God put him there. And I look at all the different ones out here, faces I know and people I know. Several of you are in places in life that you couldn't have got there without God's help. Like that turtle on the fence post. That was the grace of God that elevated you up and put you up there. Well, right now, for some of the weights and burdens in life in 2017... There's a brief time period right now getting ready to take place in the spirit from year to year this season. Well, all of a sudden, you're going to be able to dump that garbage off you. You'll get this passed off you because this is called a season of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. According to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, this is a season of refreshing. Because what happens, what happens when these times aren't like this, you look at how much garbage you picked up. You looked at some of the mistakes you've made. You look behind you at some of the people you've hurt. You look at decisions you made you shouldn't have made. And all you want to do is give up because you think there's no way I can get out of this. There's no way my life could ever change. I don't even know why I'm here anymore. I just want to die. I don't want to be here. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, for a period of time, you think, that's not so bad. I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to turn this around. That's because the Spirit of God come on you, out of the inside of you. It's like that coming from winter time to springtime again in the farmer's thing. You know, it's hard for me to see farmer's things out here in the desert where we live at now. But I lived out there 54 years, so I still got some pretty good images. In the winter time out there, when it's 20 below zero, 30 below zero, and you see those cornfields and those things, little old stalks where the combines come through out there. And all you see is hard, frozen ground and things like that. They always said that the ground had to freeze really good like that to kill a lot of the bugs that kill crops. You know, maybe that's what I don't know. But anyway, then when spring time starts coming, 
the ground starts thawing, that all that snow and that ice that was on the top of those hardened fields softens the dirt. Whether it's raining or not, that's snow and things that build up in the wintertime start going down to the soil. And when it does, you start driving past the farms and you see those big old tractors out there, those smokestacks start to go. You see those guys out there hooking up those big plows that are as wide as this building right here, some of them. And they get ready because they plow about an acre at a time. They're so big. What are they doing? Well, they've set in an impossible situation all winter. You can't plow because the ground's froze. So you don't plant in the winter time. Things are all froze up. Then all of a sudden, spring thaw comes. Things are ready. And guess what? It's easy again. It gets easy again because the ground is soft. That's what happens this time of the year. God softens your hearts. You're not all hardened about life and bitter, about things that didn't happen or things that did happen. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you see yourself on that post. God lifted you up. He set you up higher. And think, wow, I can do this. I can do this. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? Amen. That's, that's, so that's the time we're living in. And so, just like a farmer must retill the ground from last year's crops to prepare for the new planting of the new year, we as believers must bury the old year's sins, mistakes, and failures to prepare our hearts for a fresh start in 2018. And so before we talk about resolutions and what to do, for 18, the first thing we've got to do, first thing we've got to do is plow that last year's crop failures under. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to bury it. If we have to, burn the field. They do that sometimes. And so let's stand up, and I want to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to close out by showing you how to start off this new year, how to replant. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I don't know what I'm going to pray yet because the Holy Spirit... Have me do it this way. He said, lead him in a prayer. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And, you know, there's a difference between your head and your heart. Your head reasons things out, thinks things out. But the Holy Spirit's in your heart. And the Holy Spirit shows you in your hearts what's right. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to pray this prayer, then pray this prayer. And just believe in your heart. That the Bible's true. Because I'm going to pray the Bible when I pray. Just believe that it's true. And this will set you up for 2018 for some new planting. Get some new crops this year. Plant some new seeds this year. If you would, just close your eyes. Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of allow yourself to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that I'm a born-again child of God. Jesus, I know you're real. You died for my sins. You washed them all away. And I know there's a Lamb's book of life. My name's in that book because I gave my heart to you. Thank you for all the good things that happened in 2017. And Lord, as I look back, I know that it's you by your goodness and mercy that brought me through. But Lord, I don't want to be held back by bad decisions or sins. 
or ugly things I did to other people. As I'm asking you now to forgive me for all the mistakes and failures and blunders and acts of disobedience in 2017. And the Bible says, if I confess my sins to you, that you're just and you're faithful to cleanse me and forgive me from all unrighteousness. Keep your eyes closed. I'm talking to you now. Everybody's listening. If there's anything in your life that's really, really, really shouting at you now, you need to confess particularly to him. Then just under your breath, whisper words to him. Say, Jesus, I know I did this. You know I did this. But I'm sorry. And I received forgiveness for it now. If there's anything at all like that, just whisper to Jesus between you and him. And he said he'll forgive it and cleanse it. Now say this. Say, Jesus, thank you that you did what I couldn't do. You washed that sin away. You cleansed me. You made my heart pure. Lord, now help me to forget that and to bury it and to go on with life. Thank you, Jesus, for a fresh start for 2018. Amen, amen, amen. If you believe that, give the Lord praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Now we're going to spend just a very short time, just a very short time, the last few minutes, showing you about this resolution business. And I want to say this too. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to be approximately an hour and a half. We're going to have a few testimonies from people telling the good things that God gives that will encourage us, that will inspire us. Here's some good testimonies tonight. Plus, we're going to close out tonight, starting the new year, we're going to close out receiving communion together as a church family. We prayed today, got things right today with God, but tonight, the last thing we do as an official church act of this church, that'll be the first thing we're doing for the new year, we together are going to celebrate the blood and the body of Jesus Christ tonight. We're going to do that. And to tell you what, talk about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How many know communion is a very right thing? We're going to do that tonight. But anyway, I want you to go to this one Old Testament book called Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how to start this new year. We got we got the crops buried from last year. And we're going to see how to get the right stuff planted for this year. And I looked up a little bit about this New Year's resolution. That's a tradition in which a person resolves to change an undesired trait or behavior to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their own life. That's what most people think about. They think about the superficial things when they think of New Year's resolutions. And, you know, I'm not going to go down that road because everybody here for the new better did the same thing. I'm going to quit smoking. So then they quit for two weeks and they smoke twice as much. 
Or, I'm going to quit drinking this year. So they torture themselves. People that don't know how to get free of Jesus. People that just try to do things on their own. I'm going to quit drinking. So bad they make it three weeks and then they get loaded for three next three weeks. And those kind of things. New, New Year's resolutions in the natural, you can't do it on your own. If you could, you would have already done it. It takes Jesus and his help to get you freed from anything that's got a hold on your life. The Bible calls things strongholds. They're called strongholds because the devil uses things in your flesh to get a stronghold on you. But Jesus is the only one who can break strongholds. And so in Habakkuk chapter 2, write some of these things down on your paper there if you need to. But I want to remind you this. Go to your doctor for medical advice. Go to the baker for financial advice. Go to your lawyer for legal advice. Come to a pastor for spiritual advice to show you how to win in life. And always remember the spiritual, what we're looking at here, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. So here's how to set goals for 2018. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this. I will stand upon my watch and will set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am, when I'm improved. And so what this simply means in modern day talk, Jesus called it going into your prayer closet. Take some time. This is the last day of the year and hope you already have. But take some time to get alone and pray and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about his plans for you in 2018. The number one thing to do. Listen to this. Don't lose it out now. The number one thing to do to plant new seeds in 2018. Uh, Jason and Ben back in Indiana, they got the ag people they talk to. They know what to plant. They know what's going to grow, what's going to sell this year, what's going to do the best kind of harvest this year. So they find out, are we going to plant wheat, going to plant corn, going to plant soybeans? Are we going to leave this field dormant this year again? Are we going to plant this field? And so the number one key to your success for 2018, get your head out of the way. Get in your prayer closet. Take some paper with you. Buy, buy a 99 cent spiral notebook. Call it your journal. Get alone with God. And ask Him, Lord, what do you see me doing this year? What do you want me to do this year, Jesus? And find out from him what the plan is. You know, so many Christians, so many Christians do it backwards. All right, God, here's the plan. I'm asking you to bless it. No, 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 no. That's not how you pray. Say, Lord, what is the plan? I know your plan for my life is already blessed. So instead of asking you to bless my way, Lord, What's your way? Because I know that's where the blessing is. Amen. It might be such a simple thing. Oh, it might be. I think about all the older parents and grandparents here, young kids in school, stuff like that. It might be such a thing as he says, hold off on that school this year. 
Or you might say, you're going to hold off. No, you need to get them in there this year. You have to find out about important decisions in life, what God says about it. You know, it may, it may be real estate things you'll get involved with. God says, no, now's the time. Go ahead and get involved with that. Everybody said, no, back off. Don't do that right now. See, God knows the future. He knows if your job is still going to be here in six months. Somebody might say, but yeah, but I, I, I know what they said. They're not God. They can't see the future. They try to figure the future. God knows the future. And so I'm saying for your life for this year, before you go setting out goals and things you want to do, stop and talk to him. That's what the prophet said. He said, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch and I'm going to listen. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, watch and pray. He said, watch and pray, you enter not to temptation. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the first thing to do, if you're going to make resolutions, and I'm going to call just call resolutions goals, goals for your life. The first thing to do is to pray and let God speak to your heart. And then verse 2, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Write it down. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Or upon pages that he may run that readeth it. And so keep a journal. Keep a journal. Write things down. Write down realistic goals that with God's help you can achieve. This is where most Christians blow it. And most of the world blows it for sure. They want to lose 50 pounds. So they try to starve themselves and lose it all the first month. And then when they couldn't lose but five pounds, they give up. If you do something realistic, I mean, I'll just get to that area there example. Say, Lord, help me lose a pound a month. Well, if you accomplish that minor goal at the end of this year, you've lost 12 pounds. You better your worth start. You did something you could really start. And let me tell you something else about these goals you need to do. There's three things, three things that pertain to a plan you get results with. Number one. The goal means, here's where I want to end up at. And so whatever it is you want to end up at, that's your goal. That's your plan. Whether it's financial goal, spiritual goal, health goal, whatever it is, family goal for your family, here's where we want to be by the time this year ends. Then what you got to do is write down the steps of action to get there. You know, if your family's divided right now and you want your family together, a good step of action would be, Get off the cell phone, play games, and get on the cell phone, call games. And call and say, hey, you know what? We need to get together again. We're a family. And I'm sorry for all the stupid stuff's happened. You can't have a goal of getting your family together if you ignore your family. Amen. you got to have a step of action. And then number three, you got to follow through. If you want to get out of debt and your goal is... By the end of 2018, either I want my debt to be down to zero, or at least I want to cut in half. In Deuteronomy 28, when I studied, studied it one time, the Lord said this to me. I come to a verse, Deuteronomy 28, and God said his will for his people is to be the lenders, not the borrowers. And then he asked me a question. He said, you know what the first step is to be a lender? I mean, God's so smart and we're so dumb. 
He said it. I felt that tall. He said the first start to be the lender, not the borrower, he said this to me. Stop borrowing. I said, oh, that makes sense. So guess what? MasterCard got plaster surgery. Snip, snip, snip. So if you want to have a goal of getting out of debt, a good place to start is snipping. Hey, man, anyway, write things down on a piece of paper you want to accomplish. That's called write the vision, make it plain. And then you got to go back and, and review it over and over again. Look, see if you're making progress. And then, well, I'll tell you what, for 2017, I had three, three goals that were pretty major financially. I accomplished two of them. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I accomplished them. Because I knew what I wanted to do and I stuck with it. I did accomplishment. And then look at, look at the, look at the, the third thing here, verse three. He says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time that at the end it shall speak. That means you've accomplished it. It showed up. In the spiritual family, we call that, that's manifestation. Woo, it manifested. It shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So be patient. you got to be patient. you got to be patient. You know, so many people look for the spectacular and miss the supernatural. Look for spectacular and miss the supernatural. What do you mean by that? Okay, say you say you've got a debt, ten thousand dollars you want to pay off, and you're believing God that somebody's going to give you ten thousand dollars to pay that off for you. Well, it is just as miraculous if you believe God to help you manage your money. You're able to pay an extra payment every month, so that by the end of the year, the debt's wiped out. But you're watching for ten thousand dollars. And you're still going deeper debt every month because you expected God to do it this way just to pretend to pay that off. But every time money shows up, you go into debt deeper because you spend it more. And so if you're believing God to help you get out of debt, look at it like the elephant. If you look at the giant, you'll never eat that elephant. But one bite at a time, you can get it done. And so whatever you're doing, the Bible says, wait for it. Be patient. So be a patient person as you're doing it. And then the very last thing, he said, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. That means simply live every day by faith. Live every day by faith. Hear God's word. Speak God's word. Act on God's word. Say this with me as we close. Stand up. Let's just make this confession together. Say goodbye, 2017. Your history. 2018. You're just starting. Now listen to this with your hearts. Say it with your mouth. Say 2018. You are not going to control me. Circumstances. People. You're not going to control me. 2018. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. People will not dominate me and take me directions 
I don't want to go. 2018, number one, you're going to be a spiritual year. I'm going to be a regular church attender. I will study my Bible. I will learn new verses. I will pray. I will ask forgiveness from God and from people when necessary. I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm not going to give up. God didn't give up on me. So I'm not going to give up on me. I'm not going to give up on people. I'm always going to be ready to offer a helping hand. Words of encouragement and help other people. 2018, you're not going to be a broke year. You're going to be a prosperous year. I will give God my tithes. I will plant financial seed, whatever I can. At 2018, the Bible says, in due season, I reap if I faint not. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to prosper. 2018, you're going to be a peaceful year for my family, for my life, on my job, in my neighborhood. I speak peace in the name of Jesus. 2018, you're going to be a healthy year. I refuse sickness and disease and accidents the right to attack my family. I say no. Sickness, disease, accidents, you're a curse. I'm blessed. What God's blessed can't be cursed. So I speak healing, health, sound mind, protection from all accidents and injuries. Whether in my home, on my job, transportation, any way, shape, or form, God's angels are with me. And I'm going to stay walking with God so I can be blessed. Now just say this. Say, Jesus, I know that with you, nothing shall be impossible. And you said, it's your will above everything else, for me to prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. So, Jesus, with your help, 2018 is going to be awesome. I'm going to be blessed. People that know me are going to be blessed. And I'll make sure, Lord, I give you all the glory and all the praise and let everybody know that my Jesus did this. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.